Welcome to the Not All Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and as part of our Smithsonian Associates Art of Living interview series, our guest today is Dr. Brian Rose. Dr. Brian Rose will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates Program May 12, 2021, and the title of Dr. Rose's Zoom presentation is Movie Going in America, Nickelodeons to Movie Palaces to IMAX to Streaming. Ever since the movie industry was born in the 1890s, audiences have been thrilled to watch stories come to life on the big screen. At first, the screen wasn't very big, nor was attending the stuffy local Nickelodeon all that pleasant. But by the 1920s, extravagant movie palaces were constructed in downtowns all over the country, and moviegoing was transformed into a luxury experience. Sadly, this would end in the 1950s with the rise of the suburbs and the explosion of drive-in theaters, followed by shopping mall multiplexes. Today, going to the movies can be either overwhelming at seven-story IMAX theaters or thoroughly unpleasant as your neighbor gobbles nachos and beer and teenagers talks and texts throughout the film. (laughs) But with the advent of the pandemic, for most of us, moviegoing now is just a memory. Our guest today, Dr. Brian Rose, will be talking with us about those subjects and more, including upcoming trends we'll see in the near future at theaters, either in home or at a movie house. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates Art of Living interview series via internet phone, Smithsonian Associate, Dr. Brian Rose. Brian Rose, welcome to the program. It's my pleasure, Paul. It's great to talk to you. I love movies. I love film. Uh, the Oscars were just recently uh, upon us. Yes. It was a def- definitely a different Oscar ceremony because so many of us are just not able to go to our neighborhood movie houses. You're going to be doing an upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation on movie going in America. And I wonder if you just tell us briefly what you're going to cover, what you're going to talk about. This is just a neat subject. I know my audience is going to love this. Well, movie going actually began all the way back in the 1890s at the start of uh, the motion picture. And originally, audiences did not see movies in movie theaters. They went to penny arcades, or at at least the male audience did, because that was the largely uh, clientele of these penny arcades. And you lean over one of these machines, you put a penny in, and you'd see a 20-second or a minute-long movie. It really wasn't until 1905 that the first dedicated movie theater began, and those were called the Nickelodeons. And They were largely in lower class, working class neighborhoods, actually largely immigrant neighborhoods because you didn't really need to be able to speak English to watch, of course, these early silent movies. And Nickelodeons lasted and they spread like wildfire. They lasted for about 10 years. And then the next phase came in, which is the movie palace. And that originated really because audiences particularly female audiences, felt a little uncomfortable at Nickelodeons, and theater owners knew women and kids were the key to uh, the whole business. So they built these increasingly large and ornate movie palaces, climaxing really with Radio City Music Hall from 1932. And until the mid-40s, movie palaces ruled movie going. Then the GIs came back from the war. 
they dated, they went to these downtown palaces, and then they did something that wasn't expected. They started moving to the suburbs. And once they left downtown, uh, they also abandoned these downtown theaters. And box office attendance started to decline rapidly, not only because of the suburbanization move, but because of something much more formidable, television, which of course provided free entertainment. And by the mid 50s, 50% of the country had a television set. Interestingly, right at the same time this is going on, at these suburban new locations, drive-in movie theaters began to spread like wildfire. And of course, they were incredibly popular with this new young audience because you could pack everyone into the car, sometimes in the trunk, hiding uh, people out to avoid uh, paying for a ticket. And drive-ins thrived until the next development, which was the multiplex theater, which kind of developed right out of drive-ins because in many cases, these drive-in movie theaters, the land became so uh, valuable that the owners sold out often to shopping malls. And shopping malls began putting, putting in multiplex theaters, and they spread throughout the country. The world record right now uh, is in Oakland Hills, California, where there is a 32-screen megaplex. Mm. And that brings us, Paul, right up to today and the drastic changes that are going on in movie theaters. Mm -hmm. Well, we're all on Zoom these days, and you're going to be speaking uh, via Zoom to our audience. Are you going to be showing examples of these various Nickelodeons? In oh, the yes. Movie? Yeah, we're going to be seeing lots of images of what it was like to go to the movies. And there's no question, the greatest time to go to movie theaters was in the mid-1930s through the mid-40s, when these downtown picture palaces, often seating anywhere from three to four or 5,000 people, dotted the whole country. Even small towns had palaces, and in between movies, they would often have stage shows featuring top talent, featuring dancers. The whole point of a palace was to make the audience feel like they'd entered a magic kingdom, uh, to use a phrase of Disney's, <laughs> and uh, to take you away. You'd saw, you saw newsreels, you saw cartoons, you saw a stage show. So it was unlike any experience audiences have today. Mm -hmm. And today, of course, our experience is very different in the sense that we have uh, IMAX theaters, and we're going to talk for a, a minute about these these massive screens that are available. Sometimes, I, I have to say, I, I love going to the IMAX theaters, but my wife, who's sensitive to some of the noise and maybe some mm -hmm. of the, you know, just the kind of, I'm talking now about the digital effects and the, the sound, it, it can be a little unpleasant at times. And then you've got all of the other extraneous, you know, issues that go on sometimes, but it is a different experience today. Well, actually, I would rate IMAX as kind of a parallel development in movie theaters, which began with Cinerama 
1952, the whole notion of a screen so large and and an experience so monumental uh, (laughs) that audiences kind of went back to the early days of movie making, which was you went to see movies for a thrill, not for the narrative, not for the story, but for the experience of feeling, you know, a waterfall, an enormous building. And Cinerama began this whole notion of, I guess you could call it nauseous cinema, the whole Mm -hmm. point of Mm -hmm. making you feel like you were on a thrill ride. Mm -hmm. That was succeeded by CinemaScope, widescreen movies. There was even my favorite development, which sadly I never got to experience, Smell-O-Vision, where they would (laughs) pipe in, believe it or not, 35 different smells cued to the particular film, which was called Scent of Mystery. (laughs) Unfortunately, it didn't work very well. It was incredibly expensive. They abandoned that. But let's go back. Early 50s, the birth of 3D, another Mm. nauseous experience because many people in the audience reported after wearing those Polaroid glasses that they got headaches, they got sick and whatever. So I think we can look at IMAX as kind of a direct development of that, of a screen larger than life. And if you remember the early IMAX movies, they were thrill rides, a trip down into the ocean, a voyage into outer space, all to give you this sense of kinetic excitement. And it's only, you know, the last 15 years or so that IMAX has been used for feature length Hollywood movies as they will shoot special IMAX footage uh, to really dazzle you with the uh, format's clarity and its just enormous immersive size. Some of the IMAX films I've seen have just been really wonderful. The nature uh, films that are shot—they're—they're mm-hmm. they're beautiful. Course, yeah. They're really—they are immersive, and you really do get this sense that you're there. And do—and I wonder, you know, we're not—we're not there anymore. And of course, I'm referring now mm-hmm. to the the pandemic, and and movie going is really often just a, a memory for many of us. How has the movie industry adapted to the pandemic, and will they recover from this? Well like all of us, it has made adaptations. And many of these adaptations are things that the movie studios wanted to do years ago. And that's primarily avoiding distribution to movie theaters entirely. Remember, the studios do not own the movie theaters. The government forbid that back in 1948, uh, though recently they reversed it. But nevertheless, The studios and the theaters are separate. And as a result, they have always kind of protested the fact that exhibitors demand that a movie must be shown in a theater for three to six months before they will permit another format, such as home video or streaming or whatever. Well, once the pandemic came, the studios saw the theaters were closed and took matters into their own hands and began streaming for a price, 35 bucks sometimes, to anyone who had a streaming uh, ability to show to pay for the movie and to see it. And this began to spread from studio to studio. Disney Plus sold Mulan 
uh, to its subscribers for $35. Then the next step, Disney Plus started providing its subscribers for free the chance to see Hamilton, the chance to see uh, Soul, a Pixar movie that was supposed to come out last summer, and the newest, one of the newest streaming services, HBO Max, went the next step. And beginning on December 25th, 2020, they released Wonder Woman 1984 directly to their subscribers and to the few movie theaters that are st that were still open at that time. And throughout this entire year, every Warner Brothers movie will be released simultaneously to theaters and to HBO Max subscribers, including a film which has been a big hit in the theaters, mm -hmm, Godzilla mm -hmm. versus Kong. <laughs> I hope I've got that title right, or is it Kong versus <laughs> Godzilla, which has made $100 million at the movie theaters, which is great, shows there's still an audience, but you can watch it as an HBO Max subscriber for free. We recently, my family and I recently drove across the country, and I noticed on our trip that drive-in theaters appear to be making a comeback. Mm. Is that a trend that you're seeing? That's uh, It's a small trend. Mm. Uh, and I guess as you went through the country, the South, the West mm -hmm. have always had drive-in theaters. There are about 600 that still remain operational. But since the pandemic, it's interesting that a number of organizations have decided to experiment with pop-up drive-ins. For example, here in New York, the New York Film Festival did not take place in the fall. Instead, they started pop-up drive-in exhibition sites in parking lots and shopping mall parking lots and so forth as an alternate way for people to safely watch movies in their car. So I don't know if we can say it's going to be a growing trend, but it's a adaptive, flexible trend that many places tried as a alternate way to show movies. And what about some of the other trends? Will we see more of the kind of combination of restaurant food mm. in movie theaters as we kind of return <laughs> to the theaters themselves? Well, AMC theaters, and I don't mean to pick on them, AMC theaters started a thing called Dine In. And this was a year or so before the pandemic where you could, they posted a menu online. You could order your food prior to coming to the theater and literally get a three-course meal delivered while you watch the film. And I just want you to imagine hmm. sitting next to someone in the days when you could sit next to someone mm -hmm. as they down cheeseburgers, tacos, <laughs> beers, and you know it. And this trend actually started, and I don't know if D.C. Yeah, I think D.C. does have Alamo draft houses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We do. Which we have began in Austin. They're here in New York. They, right before... Just a couple months ago, they went bankrupt and they're refinancing. But Alamo has waitresses that throughout the film, uh, you can order and have food brought to you. So, yes, uh, I think it's a trend that I don't want to experience. <laughs> but I think uh, among younger audiences, this is a big deal to be able to drink, eat and watch your film just like you did at home during the pandemic. 
Well, some of these changes will be, I think, you know, as you say, almost um, forced upon us. But some of the changes are, are are particularly welcome. Do you think that the filmmakers themselves, the directors, are excited about this experience? It seems like with more streaming, more movie. Well, that, that's a that's a very touchy topic. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Netflix was able to uh, get world-class directors like Scorsese and Alfonso Cuaron and the Cone brothers to make original movies, A, because they provided funding when the studios wouldn't, but B, because they promised them that they would show their films in a theater uh, for a couple of weeks at least before it went on Netflix. And that was working out pretty well, even through the pandemic, there were theaters showing Netflix films. Uh, The big chains will have nothing to do with this. They are violently opposed to Netflix's policy of showing a original film just three weeks after it plays the theaters. But I think you're right, Paul, in the sense that this window between being in a theater and having the chance to be able to stream it at home is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. Right now, it's at about three months if it's not a Warner Brothers film. And and by the way, Warner Brothers has said this policy of same-day releasing is only through the end of this year until movie theaters get up on uh, back on their feet. Uh, I think it's going to shrink maybe to a month or so before you can see a film in at home that was in a theater a month ago. And let's also face it, for a lot of us, the pandemic taught us the value of streaming. The sense that, hey, you know, seeing first-run movies isn't so bad on a big-screen theater. I don't know what it's like to see a movie in D.C., but here in Brooklyn, going to the movies isn't such a great thing. Uh, You've got kids running up and down the aisles during the whole film, Everybody is texting the whole time. It's like a bunch of fireflies in terms of the (laughs) illumination going on throughout Mm -hmm. the theater. And I will point out one thing, uh, if there's anyone in Los Angeles listening. Actually, I think uh, this is true in uh, at the Montgomery Mall in D.C., the Arc Light Theater chain, which was beloved because they insisted on a prime experience for the audience. Anyone texting? was removed from the theater. Uh, You could complain about your neighbor. If they're talking, they'd be removed. Well, at any rate, a month ago, the Arclight Theater chain went bankrupt. They couldn't survive the pandemic. And that was a great loss for people who loved the pristine experience of going to the movies. I strongly suspect a lot of people are not gonna return to the theaters. They've discovered it's just, A, not worth it, it's so expensive to go, and B, it's not so bad watching at home. Brian Rose, we really appreciate your time, and uh, I know you're very busy. You'll be at the Smithsonian Associates presenting Movie Going in America, Nickelodeons, to Movie Palaces, to IMAX, to Streaming the entire range of theater going. It's a daytime program on Zoom coming up Wednesday, May 12th. We're going to put links up to where our audience can find out more information about Brian Rose, as well as his upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation. Brian Rose, what an honor it's been to speak to you. And uh, this is just a fascinating history. Paul, I enjoyed it just as much. Thank Thank you. Thank you, sir. You're more than welcome. Thanks, Paul. 
My thanks to Dr. Brian Rose, who will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates Program, May 12th, 2021. And the title of Dr. Rose's Zoom presentation is Movie Going in America, Nickelodeons to Movie Palaces to IMAX to Streaming. More details on Dr. Rose's presentation are available in today's show notes. Also, my thanks to the Smithsonian Associates team for all they do to support the show. My special thanks to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Please be safe, practice smart social distancing, get the vaccine, and talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.